Welcome to the Six Degree Podcast, the podcast where we grill our guests about the things that make them tick and find out how human connection plays a role in their life. I'm your host, Emily Merrill. Hello, and welcome back to the Six Degree with Emily Merrill, the podcast where we grill our guests about the things that make them tick and find out how human connection plays a role in their life. I'm your host, Emily, and today I am so freaking excited to have my dear friend, Lexi Smith, founder of the PR Bar, as our guest. Lexi, welcome to the show. Hello, I'm so excited to be here. I think first and foremost, just because we're technically at a bar, the PR bar. Should we pour ourselves a drink? I, you know I'm always game. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we drinking today? Well, can we pretend it's five o'clock? Because currently drinking kombucha, but give me, <laughs> Is it give spiked me kombucha. <laughs> not yet. Give me four hours and I will be pouring myself a nice glass of Pinot Noir, actually Spirit Horse Pinot Noir, because I just got a bottle. Oh, I love it. I will be pouring myself a, a glass of Cabernet Franc from Spirit Horse. And oh, shoot, we need to have Heather on this podcast. That's a good reminder. I'll reach out to her afterwards. It's <laughs> a good reminder during it. But I've been, I was telling Greg, we were going through Spirit Horse way too quickly for like the, the cost of the wine. We're drinking it like it's Capri Sun or something. It's because it's that good, but it is a nicer, nicer wine. So we should, we should drink it on special <laughs> occasions, but it's just so damn good. And every day is now a special occasion in my life. I'm like, you know, saving for special moments. Is that worth it? Yeah. Today, it's Wednesday. It's a special moment. It's, it's been a, a special long Wednesday. day. Yes. I love it. So Lexi, tell us, we know that it isn't an actual bar, disappointingly, but can you tell us what the <laughs> PR bar is and where we can pull up a chair? Yet. We'll see. Just kidding. I don't have any brick and mortar plans. I don't want to <laughs> get everyone excited about that. Yeah. So the PR Bar Inc. is a online brand, really. And the short of it is I teach entrepreneurs how to do their own PR through a couple different programs. So that's a super Ooh. short elevator pitch. Wait, and I love that your program though continues playing with the the theme of bar. I'm a I'm a I'm such like a guilty pleasure for puns and like spinoff of names. So can you tell us what that program is? Of course I can. So my main program is called Pop Fizz Clink because I also agree in celebrating all of life's wins, no matter how small. <laughs> and it doesn't matter. You can be sober and you can still do yes. her. <laughs> Martinelli's. You can, you can drink some Martinelli's. It does not need to be alcoholic. So <laughs> I, I love it. So PR is one of those things where when I first started as an entrepreneur and as other peer entrepreneur people surrounded me, we people took different approaches. Some people put all of their eggs in the PR basket and were like, oh my gosh, I need to get PR. The only way to make my business successful, I now have this domain, I need to get a publicist. And then there are other people that did more marketing, did like newsletters, focused more on Instagram, building their their following. What is your feeling like if you're just starting out as an entrepreneur or a business owner, should people go all in and invest in PR and hire a publicist? So the first thing to understand is what is PR? And I think there's a huge misconception there of what it is. Is it always the smartest thing to do to immediately pour all your cash into an outsourced agency? No, I don't believe it is. Can that make sense? Yes. But to kind of back up, the first thing to address is what is PR, right? And 
we typically think of PR as magazines and TV shows, or you think high-level corporate crisis communications. That's nine times out of 10 what people think PR is. But really, it's, it's so much more than that. And it's an umbrella of organic marketing. So I'm a pro starting to grow your brand in organic channels until you understand what works. And then we can add some money to them, right? To accelerate. So that's the quick, the quick answer. Where do you, do you want to dive into any, any part of that? Yeah. So I think, can you define um, the difference between like what PR is and marketing? Because when I think of, I used to work in marketing uh, back in, back in the olden days, I used to work in marketing and people would always lump us as PR. They're like, oh, well, you're going to do the PR and marketing. I was like, I don't, I don't know how to do the PR. Mm-mm. We have a whole PR team for that. So can you kind of differentiate it and break it down for us what the difference is between the two entities? Yeah. And PR and marketing are best friends that you can <laughs> often get confused, right? They're like twin sisters. They have different personalities. They have differences, but from the outside looking in, people often mix up their names. So <laughs> I love that. Thanks. I'm going to use that. That's a new, yeah, that's that's a good a new one. one for me. <laughs> I was okay. going to say where it's like us looking at, you know, like super blonde, super brunette. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So here's like a really, really quick definition of PR. And then I'll tell you how that's different than marketing. So PR is the art of cultivating opportunities through strategic relationship building and maintenance. Okay. That's just hold on to that for a second. That can mean a lot of different things. Marketing for visuals, think of marketing as an umbrella. And I'm holding up my arms as an umbrella, which no one else can see, but that's what Emily gets to see right now. PR is a panel on that umbrella. So because of the hierarchy, there are some differences. For example, Marketing's 100% proactive. So we're going to launch a campaign to get email subscribers where PR can be both proactive and reactive. So proactive because we are, you know, maybe pitching for coverage, reactive. If something happens, we have to go into crisis communications mode. So that's one quick difference. We also look at different metrics. So marketers might be looking at the click-through rate of an email where a publicist might be looking at the share of voice. So how much is your name showing up on Google over your competitors? Another difference is, and this I think is the biggest, who we're talking to. So in marketing, you're talking to the buyer pretty much. That's it. The consumer, the buyer. In PR, there's actually six different audiences that you might be trying to communicate to. And it all comes back to the word relations. Public relations is about relationships. It's tactics that help us increase our brand awareness and really strengthen relationships. So I'm going to pause. That was great. No, I, I'm like, <laughs> sign us up for the PhD level of PR, uh, PR 101 and 102 <laughs> with Lexi Smith. So first and foremost, I think back to the visual, it's important to like think of the PR characters that we know and love on television. Like I think of the Samantha Jones of Sex and the City. Mm. I think of like Olivia Pope's, that's more the crisis management PR of like fixing it. And then there's, um, actually those are the only PR people I can think of on TV, but. Those are the two main ones. Yeah. Those are the main ones. Marketing. I don't know any marketing people on television. So that's it. That's your visual for PR. We'll leave it there. Um, So, you know, before you started in uh, the PR bar, you were a very successful 
publicist doing public relationship, uh, public relations relationships, as I call them, to companies, to tech companies. Now you're teaching PR. Why are you teaching it versus doing done for you? Yeah. So to take you a step further back to give you context, I started in agencies. I then went in house and then obviously now I'm a business owner. And throughout those experiences, I noticed a few things. One, I loved to, we'll call it coach because that's the buzzword these days. <laughs> Actually, whether that be the team I was managing, whether that be the entrepreneur that I was working for, the CEO whose company I represented, there was an element where I had to teach them about PR and I loved that. So that's one, th- that's one category. The other is I felt like there's a million and one, not I felt like, there is, there are, <laughs> A million and one different agencies out there that can do it for you. There wasn't, at the time of me launching, a lot of the other option. I really strongly believe and know that you can do PR yourself. And actually, I think you're going to be a lot better off if you understand how PR works before you outsource, because then you can lead from a place of informed strategy. So long story short, I mirrored my passion of teaching with a need I really saw in the market that wasn't being met. And voila, the PR bar. <laughs> and, the PR, and the PR bar, here we are. Um, and I love that. I love the fact that you're you're teaching a man how to fish versus fishing yep. for them. Like you're going to leave them a lot more full and satisfied at the end. So in terms of starting to do your own PR, what are some tools and resources that you recommend people kind of keep in their back pocket before they hire someone like Alexi Smith or the PR bar to teach them how to do it? Well, the first, just their first step in their journey. Well, first off, I can, I say you can Google your way into a PhD in anything. So <laughs> do, do some research and understand what your market options are. But if you've decided, okay, I'm going to do this myself, the first thing you need to do is get your assets in order. So tell us what what you mean by that. So your PR assets. So you want photos and specific types of photos. You want different lengths of bios and bylines. You probably want a media kit. You should have a website if you're looking to get (laughs) digital press. So it's kind of like when you first start a business and there's some checks and balances you have to do, like registering with the state and all the fun stuff like that. Same thing goes for press. In order to really be ready to at least the the press side of PR, because PR is more than just press. There are a core set of assets that you should have together. Oh, and then what do you do with said? What do you do with them once you have them? Okay, so step one's like the physical assets. Step two goes into, and I guess this would be where I should explain because I keep hinting at these other parts of PR, right? So there are six relations of PR. There's public relations, so your relationship with the public, community relations, your relationship with communities, either physical where you live or great online communities like Six Degrees. Then there's (laughs) plug. Yeah, Um, (laughs) here's your five bucks. (laughs) Industry relations, so your relationship as a brand with others in your industry. Then there's customer relations, media relations, and then investor relations. So your next step is to start with your objective. So are you a product-based business? Are you a coach? Are you a brick and mortar? What's your goal? And decide 
which of those six relations you need to focus on to reach your goal. Because this actually goes back to your first question. That's how you're going to know if you need to immediately focus on media, or maybe actually it's the better place to start is in groups like Six Degrees and working on your community relations. So to summarize that, step two is outline your objective and understand which relationships you're going to need to focus on to achieve those. Oh, I love that. And then, um, you know, I've played around with, I've, I've worked with a publicist before I've worked with a PR agency before I've worked, I've done my own PR before. Um, but I've found that the common denominator with all of those things have been the relationships that I've had with the, the writers and getting in front and nurturing those writers. So if I chose to continue doing the PR on my own, what is your biggest recommendation for people? I think there's this like huge intimidation factor of like, I'm not going to pitch the editor of Cosmopolitan. Like, I'm a nobody. Who am I? Do you recommend that these people do make these like big pitches of themselves or if in those cases, like, should they bring on a, a solo publicist or like a PR agency even for a day or two to like feel more professional? Or mm-hmm. lastly, the, the last option, should they create like PR at sixdegreesociety.com as an email and like Yolanda is pitching for them, but Yolanda is actually you. Yeah, good question. I get asked this one a lot, and I will say not everyone listening to this that's a publicist will agree with me, meaning there's there's not one right or wrong answer here. What I have found is actually people can be a lot more receptive to founders even than publicists. It just depends. And I hate saying that because I know it's not a clear answer, but it really depends on the writer. And what's more important than the email address because really they're not going to stop and look and like go, okay, what's this email address? Did they hire a PR firm or is this an (laughs) assistant, right? They're going to care what's in the body of the email. And more often than not, a founder is the person who is the most passionate about it. And that's easier to read. I'm not saying PR firms are bad, but it's not what I am saying is it's not bad as a founder to reach out. Just do so Mm -hmm. with intention and make sure you're getting the news angle behind it and you have an understanding of PR. You're PR educated before you do so. Ooh, that reminds me of another question. Should individuals or founders or solopreneurs be pitching their founder story or should they be pitching their their business? Both depends on what they're trying to achieve. So what is your business A? Are you a product-based business? Or are you a service-based business? It's going to depend. And what do you hoping to achieve with press? Is it sales? Is it thought leadership status? Is it credibility? Based on the answer, there's going to be a different answer, right? But usually it's a combination of both. Founder story can be one of the easiest ways to get news about your company, but you can also get news about your company. It's just kind of working, working all the angles. Yeah. I've, I've, I think that's a great, great thing for people to do. So to recap, it's important to really, really hone in and focus on what your objective is and your goal is, and then kind of look at the drawing board and see which road you want to go through. Yeah, exactly. Because I ask this to people all the time, you know, when I get on calls and they come to me, they're like, I want to be on Oprah. I want to be on this. I go, (laughs) why? Why do you want to be on Oprah? Well, is it because you want more sales? 
Or is it because you want to be on Oprah? It's fine. There's no right or wrong answer. But if you want sales, actually, Oprah might not be the right answer for you. Another outlet might get you more sales. So it's really important to understand what you're hoping to achieve with Landing Press. And if it's just for the credibility and the cool factor of it, that's totally fine. But understand uh, that you're probably not going to get a lot of sales or traffic if you're thinking of it from, from that way. I think there is so much an ego behind PR where it's like, I need to have that, that stamp of approval, even if it's a small stamp, but you've been featured in Forbes or been on Oprah or whatnot. And then you can leverage, sounds like you can then leverage that stamp into your marketing and into hopefully then converting to do sales. But exactly, you know, who knows if you're on Oprah, unless you're like Tori Birch, and I think everyone bought the sweaters or the cardigans or the shoes, like the second she said it was one of her favorite things. For the most part, like it's a blip in your day. It's not, you know, if you're in Us Weekly, like I'm not going to remember that specific Us Weekly posting or, or God, I haven't read Us Weekly in such a long time. I don't know <laughs> if people back. still read Us Weekly, truly. It's still a thing. It's still a thing. It's still a thing. Okay. <laughs> but if, you know, if you read that, like I feel like you're not going to, to read it and then just go out and buy it unless like you're that solves a particular problem that you were hoping to find a solution for I mean, you happen to pick up a us weekly right you put on a or you you mentioned a good point and i love talking about forbes because in the entrepreneurial community that's like the name that comes to me most that everyone wants and here's what i tell people eight times out of ten i'll say eight out of ten not nine out of ten Landing a mention or coverage in Forbes will not immediately drive you revenue. What's important is what you do with that word. And it's exactly what you pointed on. It's integrating it into your your sales copy, into your marketing, and using the credibility that comes with Forbes to leverage your business. Because that article likely probably won't be doing amazing things for you in that moment. Yeah, it just legitimizes you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, as as like, oh my gosh, she's made it. She's been in Forbes. It's kind of, to me, it's funny. PR reminds me a lot of like getting married where people are really celebratory of like when you've been in a particular milestone or if you've been featured in a place and you're celebrated for it, even though like you don't really do anything that unique or special. Like I feel like it's a shame that we're celebrated for getting, I love, I mean, mind you, thank you everyone who gave me gifts at our wedding, but like being celebrated for having someone ask you to marry them, like is so lauded in our, in our life. And it's such a milestone. And in a way, I think there's bigger business milestones that should be celebrated, celebrated and, um, versus like how I've posted, I've been in a publication before and people were like, wow, that's amazing. Like you didn't even read the publication. It was one line or whatever it is. So there's like this cool, back to your cool factor. There's like a cool factor thing. And I feel like we're missing the mark on what we're celebrating about certain things in our life at times. Such a good point. I I strongly agree with that from a a human perspective. However, it's kind of like what I consider with social media. It's one of those, I guess, necessary evils for back 
lack of a better word. This is just kind of how it is right at the moment. And being in Forbes is going to get you some high fives and likes on LinkedIn, whether or not it should, that's, you know, where I, yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. You're like, well, maybe it should be like, I sold a million dollars in revenue. That's where like the high fives and stuff should really be coming in. Oh, yes. And also how cool would it be when you start a business, you could hold like a baby shower type thing for your business. Like, hi, I'm looking for a microphone <sighs> for my podcast and a computer that doesn't die on me and an office chair, all those things. Can that be a thing? Why is that not a thing? I don't know. Maybe this is our next company that we start. Oh my God. Emily, let's earmark that. (laughs) Yeah. Business, business, business showers basically. Or like nobody else take that. (laughs) Yeah. It's already trademarked (laughs) right now. We're doing it so much. Right. Like I think there's just, there's such a lack of celebration of like new business people starting. And you know, there's some people that maybe will never get married or choose not to get married and, or choose not to have babies. And we're not giving them like the same celebration when they're doing, they have a different type of baby that they're working on. Yeah. It's so true. So true. But anyways, back to PR. I digress. (laughs) Clearly I'm on board with all of that. (laughs) My Gemini personality is like shiny, shiny squirrel object. Squirrel. (laughs) Right back. There's food. Um, Okay. But back to PR. So I've been listening to this podcast all about Britney Spears and Britney Spears and her like war with all the tabloids when, you know, she got pregnant or like people would sell her pictures. And then remember crazy Britney Spears days when she shaved her head and took it. Oh yes. Yeah. You know, took an umbrella to a media person's car. Can we talk about bad PR? Like, is there (laughs) such a thing as there, you know, you hear it, no PR is bad PR, but is there bad PR? Oh, I think there's for sure bad PR. And here's, and I'm going to go back to that word. What's your objective? If your goal is just to be an influencer and have your name show up everywhere and anywhere, and you don't care what people are actually saying, then sure, there's no such thing as bad PR. But if you actually have a goal with PR, then there's PR that is counterproductive or hurtful to your your goal. You know, if you are a clothing company and you're trying to sell clothes and an article gets released that your clothes suck, that's not great. It's not, it's probably not, not <laughs> that, the greatest thing. <laughs> or when Zara had it released that like there were workers were passing notes, like help me, I'm captive in like the labels. That's not cool. Yeah. I mean, and again, maybe there's some people with the influencer mindset. Well, at least people are talking about them. Right. But are they talking about in a, in a way that's driving the action that the company wants? Probably not. <laughs> So then those types of moments when you do have PR, and I feel like this year was a, it's a great example of challenging PR management. Like we had Black Lives Matter and we had, we had the election or have still have the election and how there was a lot of cancel culture out there. Like, I feel like everyone and their mom, if they didn't do the right thing, if they didn't post on Instagram on Blackout Tuesday, they were canceled. If they did, they were canceled. Like it was like a damned if you do, damned if you don't for a lot of things. There was a lot of fear. And Marie Forleo and Jenna Kutcher and God, I feel like 19 other people were- were Like everyone got slammed. Everyone was slammed or canceled. How do you bounce back from things like that? And do you have any strategies 
when dealing with like, this is putting your Olivia Pope hat on. How would you crisis management these things? Yes. So that is crisis communications, folks. They're absolutely textbook things you can do. I will say the most important thing above all else though is mindset, right? Like you can, yes, I, we can talk about, should you be releasing a statement? Should you be doing this? There are things that by the textbook are correct. You're still going to have people mad, even if you do everything perfect. Like that's the reality of it. So what becomes more important almost is how you mentally deal with it and understand that you could do everything perfect and still people are going to be mad at you. I've seen it so many times. I've experienced it. Probably every single one of my clients are like, I don't, I'm so annoyed. Like I did everything right. I'm still getting hate. You're not mm-hmm. alone. Hear me, people. You're not alone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, actually, a perfect example of that is Gap. I don't know if you saw the press this week, what Gap did. It's election week. Just y'all know it's Friday. It's the Friday after election. So nothing's happened. Essentially, we're still waiting to dot, figure dot, out dot. That, yeah, who our president is. Um, but Gap released an ad and it was a, a hoodie. And it was, I don't know if you heard this, Lexi, but it was like blue on one side and red on the other side. And it was like, whatever happens, like, let's let's be united. And people freaked out when they saw this hoodie. They saw, they freaked out because they wanted, um, they were like, this is just so tone deaf with what's happening. Like, that's not the, that's not what they people want right now. And they ended up deleting the Instagram and the Twitter. And I think kind of just went silent for a little bit. Do you think in those types of moments, people should like get ahead of it or any thoughts on like a better way they could have handled the controversy? Yeah, I think you can always do your best to prepare things and you should be monitoring. First off, it depends on who your audience is, right? I think that's important because Gap is speaking to a very broad audience. So they need to be aware of the general cultural tone and that's going on. Like they aren't pigeonholed into just one segment of people they need to speak to, so to say. So they need to be actively monitoring the news. They need to be actively monitoring conversations. That's what a lot of crisis comms do. They need to, as a company, get on the same page. You need to, if you're going to post something that's at all political, already predict that there's going to be backlash and you can start to figure out how you want to handle that. So if we're going to put something out political, we're going to make someone mad. All right. Do we as a company want to take a stand or are we going to retract? And I didn't hear about this, that what you were saying with Gap, to me, it sounds like they were like, retreat, retreat, retreat. Yeah. Like someone didn't think. <laughs> file in. Yeah. Like, file in. So yeah. it does sound like from the outside looking in, they didn't prepare accordingly. And if you're as a company, you decide to stick by what you you posted, that's that's a choice. That's okay. Like there's not one right or wrong way to do anything really. Like I, I will argue there's some things that make are good human moves to do, but someone else will disagree with me, right? There's no yeah. like one size fits all manual to this thing we call the human experience. So <laughs> speaking of the human experience and shifting gears a little bit, how has community played a role in your human experience and building the PR bar specifically? Hugely. So as I mentioned earlier, right? Community relations is one of the pillars of PR that I focus on. And for me, it's what I consider both important and low hanging fruit in the sense that it doesn't cost a lot of capital and we're just 
requires time. And I would say probably one of the top three tactics I've used to grow my companies is through community and networking. And that's why, Emily, I had you on my podcast to talk about that because that is PR. Like that is relationship building. And that there is nothing, there's not one business out there that cannot benefit from relationship building. So it's played a large role. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think that's a that's a great thing to to note here too, the power of partnerships. Like community is is like partnerships. It's it's having the same outcome and goal in mind and both people putting their head together and being like, how can I, how can we do something together? That's going to both scratch my back and scratch your back. And you did a great job earlier this year. God, it feels like 97 years ago. Truthfully, Lex, like, uh, Lexi hosted a bomb.com, um, are we allowed to say that still? I don't even know if that's <laughs> keep, yeah. keep going. <laughs> <laughs> An amazing presentation on just PR 101 and like giving tips and tricks on doing it for yourself. And I think one of the things that makes you really unique as a human is you're such a giver and you're really good at putting deposits into people's banks, bank accounts, into their personal bank accounts. And then when that time comes that like you need an introduction to a founder or or someone out there, you do a great job of tactically like reaching out to the person and cashing in. What? Well, thank you. I mean, I think that's probably <laughs> why out. PR is, you know, it does come to me. PR is part of my personality in a way when you just strip it back to once again, relationships. And you said the word partnership. It's funny because I do all these community events and I, I often have to explain to people what I do there's like this very negative condensation. They either think PR is glitz and glam or they don't want to be categorized. So people mm. in the partnership space or the collaboration space or whatever, they're like, I'm not PR. I'm like, but that's a form of PR. Yeah. Like that is, you are collectively raising your brand awareness. That fits in PR. You don't have to call yourself that, but I'm just letting you know that's PR. Do you know how many people I've had PR people reach out to me and be like, Hey, can we give you samples to put in your gift bag when you at your glamping experience? Or, Hey, can we do an event with this founder and have her be in front of your audience? And and can you do a blog post on her? And can she be on your podcast? And I'm like, that's a partnership to me. That's that, that's like a, you made me, you scratched my back. You made my gift bags look cooler than they are. I scratched your bag back because then I was able to like deliver something cool to people without paying for it. And yeah, it's like a mutually agreeable problem solving. It's a, so partnerships are a tactic of PR. So it is one way that we cultivate opportunities through strategic relationship building, right? So (laughs) it's, it's, Yes, it's a strategy under the umbrella. So it gets it gets muddy when you start to try to put definitions around PR, marketing, partnerships. They all they're married. Yeah. They're in, in together. It's like sister wives. <laughs> We're all sister yes. wives and all of it. Yes. I love it. Um, okay. Well, so Lexi, where can people find out more about you? I know you mentioned your new podcast. Tell us a little bit more about that. Tell us tell us more about your programs. Like, how can people get more Lexi in their life? Sure. So first go to the Pitchin' and Sippin' podcast <laughs> episode two to hear Miss Emily Merrill talk about all things community relations. But yeah, no, I have a podcast. It's called Pitchin' and Sippin'. It's I interview members of the media, founders who rocket PR and other PR pros. So that's number one. 
Number two, Instagram is where I most mostly hang out social media wise. I'm at the PR bar underscore Inc. And if you want to work with me, I think the best thing to do is just take me up on my free mini PR strategy session. And I can a give you free PR advice and B kind of see if you're a fit for one of my programs such as pop Fizz clink. I love it. I wish, um, in a way, I think your podcast should be called Bitchin' and Sippin'. <laughs> it's a play on that, though. Oh, okay. Get it? Pitch, it's, yeah. That's the play. It's Pitchin' and Sippin'. It's a play on Bitchin' and Sippin'. Huh? Uh, okay. Well, sorry. I'm <laughs> Clearly, I love that. <laughs> Great. I, I, I just said earlier, I love puns, and here I am being like... <laughs> It I is just thought it sounded, it's bitching. Your whole podcast is bitching. It is amazing too. It's extraordinary. Well, Lexi, thank you so much for sharing your tips and tricks. And again, if you want more Lexi in your life, definitely check her out. She is a wealth of information. She is always giving away um, information that I'm like, oh my God, why, why have I not done that yet? And check out my episode on pitching and sipping, not bitching and sipping. And, um, and also your blog post. I think we have a, we had a blog post like oh, yeah. earlier in the year. The PR playbook. I, I think that's what you called it. 4,000 years ago in, in dog years that we're in right now. And if you like today's episode, please give us a like, t- share it with your friends and write a review. That's all for now. And have a wonderful weekend, Lexi. Bye.